0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Go On Raw podcast with myself, Ryan Walker. Now guys, you are in for a treat today. All you freight forwarders out there, listen up because this one's going to be a belter for you. Today I am joined with Steve Walker. Now, Steve is, I strongly believe, an expert within the freight forwarding industry. Now, now, I know uh, experts have been bashed around a few times over the past few years and I strongly believe that Steve lives up to that level to be quite honest with you. He's, Steve's had a 45 year portfolio of success in Freight and Logistics He's a former director of the $10 billion turnover logistics specialist known as DSV. Now, you know who DSV are? Big player of the industry. Steve was heavily involved in their success, to be quite honest. He's also the founder of SBS Worldwide, the international award-winning forwarding and global transportation group. Recognising the need for supply chains to be digitised effectively... Steve recently founded SWG Global delivering a suite of customised solutions that help shippers and forwarders correct the past control the present and look into the future. Now this is this podcast is absolute gold for anyone in the freight industry to be quite honest with you. We go through a number of different subjects and we get an expert's opinion on what is going on in the industry to be quite honest with you we cover topics such as brexit it's an important part of the industry right now steve gives his his two cents on what he expects to happen and what is actually going to happen in the near future we go through digitization and how steve has adopted digitization and is a big believer in going forward in the industry we also talked about disruptors and what sort of people uh, are doing to disrupt the industry and what they're not doing and what they should be doing a number of different topics we go through. I can. We only went on for 40 minutes, but I could quite easily pick Steve's brain for about six hours. It's it's an encyclopedia of knowledge. Now, I'm going to put, obviously, Steve's contact details in the comments, so if you've got any questions for him or you want to get in touch with him, please feel free to do so. Uh, he'll be more than happy to take any of your calls, any of your emails sort of thing. So, guys, hopefully you enjoy it. Um, please like, comment, share, subscribe with all your friends. And, uh, yeah, hope you enjoy it, guys. Are you
1: looking to up your recruitment and logistics game? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Going In Raw podcast with your host, Ryan Walker.
0: Thanks for joining us on here, Steve. I've, uh, I've been following your, de- and, well, I to see your exploits for a number of years sort of thing, and, uh, it's great to have you on here and talking about your experiences and stuff like that within the industry. It's fantastic. So I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for the opportunity. Looking forward to the discussion.
0: Nice one. Nice. And so, Steve, you've been in the industry for a number and number of years. What, I don't want to say you're like a veteran, so to speak, but got a lot of experience. Um, what was really the, the, the main drive for you to jump into it? What was the, the main drive that brought you into the industry, it's,
1: um, first of all? Well, I think like, like many of us of, of a generation that came in the 60s, the 70s, it, was, it wasn't it was so much a career then as a uh, job. I got into it by uh, default by playing in, in this football team where someone said, come in, in this business called freight forwarding. And I find myself working <laughs> working for a freight forwarder in the east end of London, living in Kent. And uh, it was a completely alien world to me then. And... Uh, but one that uh, I've grown to uh, love and feel protective of. Um, as, as, uh, <laughs> as uh, just one second, one second, just you know. go for it. Uh, right, I'm okay. Just, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it is. It is one that I feel very protective of, and uh, one that uh, I, I'm very much interested to try and help. Give, give, use my experience to help those that are are, are coming up and uh, dealing with the uh, the pressures that are on our industry.
0: Of course, yeah, can especially there's been a lot of uh, changes within the industry, especially the past. I would say like ten years, probably longer than that. But this year's becoming a bit more prominent, so, so to speak. So, um, you you you've done obviously been working with a number of different. Companies in the past, sort of thing. Some major uh-huh. companies as well. Obviously, you've done a lot with obviously DS, uh, DSV, and Pulpine and all that sort of thing. But one of the things I really kind of want to really kind of pick your brains out is you've obviously achieved a lot in your time in the industry, and you've seen a lot too. With your experience, what could what do you think that, that forwarders could actually learn from, probably from? What you see in the past and what you can now recognize what's going to happen in the future, what would you say would be the best thing to take away with? well
1: it uh, 's it's a, it's a quite a deep question really, when you try and think of one thing that, that uh, would, would remain consistent and I believe that for all the talk that there is about systems that it comes down to the, the human element, and uh, this has always been the most exciting thing about our industry. Um, yeah and the yeah. the, uh, the friends that you make around the world. But I think bottom line, that if you have a business, you want to control a freight forwarding sector, um, you have to go, you have to go and visit the markets. And you can't, uh, as senior manager, you can't depend on um, junior members of staff to do it and go into an ivory tower and sit and read the spreadsheets that were and, and, the, and the report. You have to go and do <laughs> these things yourself. And it's a... Uh, it, it's yeah. been a um, key component of uh, the success that I enjoyed with having SBS for 30 years. We had to go continually, it was my brother, myself, our management team. Um, but it, it was we, as owner operators, that had to go and do those calls and uh, make the relationships with partners, with customers. And that is critical. And I think it will remain critical, whatever. It, however, people try and convince us that a computer screen will do it the same way. It won't. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. A lot of people are saying that it's
0: a, a lot of uh, uh, new technologies are coming into the the, the industry now, with obviously like uh, AI and all that sort of stuff. And do you think that's going to make a massive difference on it, or do you still think you still need to go back to the old school way of doing well, it of face to face getting involved? in people, Well, I, sort of I think
1: um, that when we had SBS, we created some uh, some value-added software that was kind of ahead of its time we got some blue chip accounts on on side, and when we were bought by uh, dsv they uh they've taken it they've enhanced it and it's their uh, key offering to their blue chip accounts i think that, that forwarders yeah. have always controlled an awful lot of data i think uh customers have, ne- have never been quite aware how much data a forwarder actually sits on but forwarders in the first decades have just sat on this information and haven't turned it around and made it of any use to to customers they, their answer was always the three words that everyone dreads saying track and trace and you know and the holes in the, and the and gaps uh, are there i think that the pressures that, that forwarders are under now by um uh, the the, the so called disruptors um, I think as making forwarders step their game up, I don't think they're doing it quickly enough. Is my opinion, but they do, they're not vocal about it. I think we see on the, on the on the positive side for the present forwarding fraternity, the likes of uh, Kuna and the way that they lead and uh, their Capital Market Day. Uh, report two years ago, and the the, the video, the online video, that it was exceptional, and it was, it was like what it was like it watching was. something from uh, Apple, and uh, and and it, <laughs> and it was good to see. On the other hand, you see the likes of Flexport, and I've been quite critical about their approach. No, I, I, I welcome innovation, and I think all of it is to be applauded. And I think what uh, Ryan has done with Flexport. The capital he's raised it's been incredible because the rest of us have uh, reached the benefit of that with uh, you know, i take a lot of calls from uh, venture capitalists who want to come into the industry and want to understand where to place their money where the best software providers could be i mean that that you know once yeah. upon a time we used to go and knock on a company's door and be sent around the back to see the traffic manager now we walk in the front door to see the c executives that's the change that's happening and it is it is thanks for for the likes of Flexport, and then there are other service operators uh, as well offerings. Um, my opinion on a, a lot of them is I don't like the American way of selling, if I could call it that, you know, which we saw on the on the on the TV in the states where one car manufacturer slags another car manufacturer. Now yeah. now we we see uh, these um, so called disruptors telling us what what traditional forwarder is doing wrong and what they're doing is so right and it gets the headlines and so i've i've been on several several panels tackling this trying to say that forwarders are developing as are their tms providers um but i also Think that people should take a view is what actually is a disruptor. If they actually look at what the definition is, a disruptor <laughs> is one who starts a new market. So the question would be, is would people consider Uber a disruptor? And they would say, well, it changed the marketplace. Yeah, but it just changed a marketplace that already existed. Did Netflix change um, the, t- the TV online? It certainly did because we saw the end of the likes of blockbusters and video um. Uh, recordings etc uh, and higher yeah. so are many of these companies disruptors? No they're not but they're fighting for headlines because they've got a lot of fund managers anxious to make sure that their their, their investments pay off so there's a disruption in, in the uh, presentation uh, to the marketplace so the, I, I think forwarders are keeping uh, pace um, but it, um, maybe they should be um, faster. And I think, I think there are other options available to, to forwarders because the marketplace won't stay as it is. Do I think the disruptors are going to make a massive difference? I think the disruptors will probably end up coming in line for most of them and actually servicing the forwarding industry. When, when they come in originally, they see the forwarders as the enemy. I think that uh, that will change. Right, yeah. I've, I mean, the thing is, you mentioned obviously about the
0: disruptors, and uh, you see people trying to kind of reinvent the wheel, sort of thing. And you, you see that in like a lot of different industries as well. I mean, more so in my um, uh, from a like in a recruitment background, you always see the brand new software that's going to change the world. And I would imagine you, you, you you've seen a lot of them come and go throughout your years, sort of thing. What do you think has been the main issue? Why they've not stayed? Is it because they're trying to do things, or they're not doing things properly? Or is it just because the, the the industry is not ready for it? Well, I
1: think the industry is very, very conservative. And I realize that forwarders tend to be very frugal. I would say tight. But actually, since I ceased to have my own business and then I had stayed with DS, DSV uh, for a number of years and now kind of selling ideas back into forwarding, I didn't realize how tight forwarders actually are. And that they, they are <laughs> reticent to spend money. They look to their TMS provider, to give them all the solutions, some like DHL, Schenkers have spent vast amounts of money trying to write their own software. <clears throat> I think forwarders should realise that's not their strength. There's a they cannot write software as fast as programs are being delivered to the market. So they need to cut, pick and choose what software they can uh, lease and su- that will support their yeah. uh, their uh, TMS. And most of them are gravitating to the main one, which is. Uh, uh, Wise Tech. Wise well, Tech. I've heard of Wise Tech. It's quite a, uh, a
0: kind of starting to become a bit of a major player there. So, you're basically, so what you're really saying is that the, the people out there is do what you do best and do the freight forum lead. Like, would you say like an kind of outsource the the we're well, we, someone else? Well, we, like are, I, we are
1: an industry that outsources everything for the best part. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, we we, we own very little which is one of the reasons it upsets so many of the steamship lines that have all this capital expenditure. We just drop in and out and take what bits we want. Then we want it the cheapest way we can possibly get it. And, <laughs> and so we, we, we don't help ourselves. And now, now the spotlight's on us. It's up to us to come up with IT solutions. But I think the market is changing. Mm. I do not think that companies can remain as 3PLs. It's not enough anymore just to move the cargo and, and deliver it, invoice it, and that's it. I mean, I think uh, customers uh, in a transactional business, we need to change it to a semi-contractual so that we can have better relationships with the C executives of our major accounts. And the only way you can actually capture them is by giving them something back in return. So I do think there is a there is a move, there will be a move more towards four, a 4PL software providing where you control the whole supply chain of uh, customers. And you can then report back to them on the movement in their freight spend, their suppliers, and you become uh, and you offer them a one stop shop for all their documents, because the biggest driver is going to become compliance. And companies will not want 20, 30 different carriers handing their cargo. They will want it through one company that manages it for them and that was the software that we created which was kind of ahead of its time and and there's there's some terrific 4PL software out there and it is that that I think is where customers will start to move towards because it's not they can't afford to have it over a disparate number of uh, freight forwarders that all work uh, at uh, different IT standards
0: yeah of course. I mean, with the, you mentioned, obviously, with the the whole kind four uh, PL side of things, with obviously the 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 big major players like your Coon and I was your DHLS and the Schenkers, they'll obviously adopt now if they're not already. They probably are. What would you think about the obviously the independent forwarders, the the, the smaller companies? Do you think they will have to do something similar to keep up to date, or do you see a lot of other companies kind similar to that sort of state uh, level, the smaller ends kind of drop off, or would you see them getting bought out by other people, sort <coughs> of
1: I have the Try to send a, a, a message out and uh, through uh, LinkedIn, through articles, through to- uh, talks and things such as these, this podcast. But, you know, there are options out there. Um, You know, I'm prepared to help companies arrive at uh, a new solution. Um, and I, I don't own any software. I kind of just work in the middle as a facilitator, trying to say, look, this is what this is what we've yeah. done. This is what you could move to. But forwarders being forwarders, listen and then try and look around you and think, look, well, if I could get Steve Walker out of the way, I could possibly get this even cheaper. And it's uh, there, there, comes, yeah. there comes a point where you have to invest. I think the um, the accountants, Moore Stevens, did a report uh, a couple of years ago and asked forwarders where their expenditure on it was going and I one of the main answers was i think about 65 percent was going on internal uh improvements and they must have all looked at it when ticking the box and thought it mm, doesn't sound right and they put a comma for the benefit of the customer well it, it kind of has to be for the 65 percent should be for the customer it should be the customer doesn't know what they don't know so with all this information, forwarders can give them dashboards, give them information, data flows that go directly to the relevant desks. And I think it's actually moving even, even faster because one of the things that forwarders have been reluctant to do is to um, uh, tick the box that, that allows automatic invoicing. So I think that from a compliance point of view, I can see be all the companies which are there are a mass of them in the US. But I think the forwarders will end up going to their customers and offering the freight audit system so that all the invoices that are sent out are correct. Because then in turn, for those large companies, it is a soft saving for them. Because if the invoices go through and they're right, they go straight through to the general ledger. It then means that the staff who are passing those invoices, probably incorrect invoices, will yeah. can move to other roles within the business so it's it's that's part of the the process of automating it and how it is better to have a company on side when you know that you've got them what i would refer to as semi-contractually but you've got that business on an ongoing basis you know the percentage return you're going to make it is better than having what ford has spent the majority of their time doing the, the churn on sales to find out whether you've still kept, maintained a customer or a trade lane. Um, it, once you build up this, this rapport, I think it will lend itself more to a 4PL scenario. Scenario. I mean, you, are you getting, when you kind of speak
0: to other the followers and you have a chat with them and explain this to them, what's the reception you're getting well, from we- them? when you kind of discuss this is it as do you get a lot of good reception or do you get a guys like going, no digging the heels and saying no we're going to keep on going? No go.
1: I, I think it's a uh, it's a it's a turning circle that's that's uh, you know it's um it's taking time for people to get there I think people realize it's coming I don't think people want to be the trailblazers uh, doing it I mean I know one Ford who actually charges their customer for the invoices being um audited but uh, you know, um, so it could actually be a uh, revenue stream. So it's um, it's all part of the change, and and I I fear for the forwarders that just look to their, their old traditional TMS, and they uh, and you know the spreadsheets which the uh, the the so sur- uh, disruptors I prefer to call service enhancers uh, mock. But you know they have to move with the times. They have to offer uh, new software ideas ingenuity that's the exciting thing it's always been about our industry you know we always we yeah. always move we've always changed with the times and uh you know okay we're, we're not moving at really fast pace but we will maintain the relationships that we have got i think that the the new forwarders the flex of, of this world they'll have their success and as i said in um at multimodal you know Welcome to Flexport. You know, pull up a chair at the th- uh, 3PL table because they're starting to get assets which they're going to have to sweat and all the rest of it. And uh, I think the only thing they've got to do is, you know, just just be a little bit more <clears throat> respectful for the the path and uh, you know the decades that have gone into the forwarding.
0: Yeah, of course, I understand that. That makes sense, really, to be quite honest with you.
1: Makes sense. The one thing, this is,
0: I, I never really can, uh, can um, want to kind of bring this up. I think you're probably the, the best person that really you talk to you about this. And this is obviously Brexit. Um, it's, it's, kind of, it's, it's up in the air, isn't it? It's with what's going on. Um, I can't really can I have a, a can I podcast or interview without talking to you about Brexit, to be quite honest with you. Um, what do you think is going to be the repercussions of Brexit going forward? Have you got any ideas or any predictions on that one? <laughs>
1: Well, uh, you know, look, it's a worry. You know, we're we're leaving Europe to uh, manage our own rules, and then we can't make our own minds up what we actually, what we actually want. (laughs) So, so you know, with twenty odd days to go, it it, it is a worrying place. But if I go back to when I started forwarding in the seventies, and we had trailers coming in from Europe, and they would be stuck at Dover if it was if it was a groupage container and ten consignments on board, and one wasn't cleared, it would sit there till the tenth was cleared. So we're not. I don't believe we're going to have. Necessarily have that, but what my my worry is when a deal is finally done, and I'm sure it will go down like to the the, uh, the uh, Greek situation. I'm sure it will go down to the wire, and we'll have uh, uh, various ultimatums and deadlines. But when we finally get through there, my biggest worry is how the French will react to it, because you know so much of our freight moves on uh, on the ferries through to France, and I, I remember. Uh, and when there was a trade dispute uh, um between France and uh Japan in uh, in 83 it was when video recorders were first starting to uh, come from Japan and the French right. felt the French felt that the that um the Japanese were dumping these video recorders uh on them so they they uh, put up sanctions and they they created a um a, a custom station in, in Poitiers in, in France where every single container had to go to. And I think they had something like eight customs officers that had to unload each container, break down each pallet, uh, get to every single video recorder, plug it in, test it, blah, 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 blah. And they, they delayed the whole thing, frustrated the whole thing. I hope it doesn't come down to that. It's the interpretation of, of the rules per country and uh, with most of uh, Europe. Southern Europe certainly uh, in a dire state, with with uh, France and Germany very close to um, uh, going into recession. I hope that the industries in there, and particularly German industry and the car industry, turns around. We can't have this kind of disruption, and I hope there come some stronger voices to help us through this very difficult choice we've made. Um, but uh, I worry about um the interpretations and, and I hope it doesn't uh you know we don't get into a uh, uh a situation that we we can't foresee much like that uh, 1983 uh, video recorder um battle uh, of he years <laughs> yeah
0: i okay, i've not to be fair i never really knew about that sort of thing before that's it's really interesting to kind of figure out yeah if, it's just such. It's, it's just as you said before. We just don't know what is going to happen. To be quite honest, it's up in the air. Um, with obviously with the the obviously the Brexit stuff situation kicking in at the minute. Um, do you, do you see something really like because everyone's saying it's going to be like the apocalypse is coming. You know, a lot of the media is getting in about it. They're saying that it's like, it's the worst thing that's ever going to happen to the industry. Do you believe that or do you think it's actually just going to be like another like a 2 k sort of thing, another millennium bug that's just going to be just as normal sort of thing with just a little bit more
1: paperwork on the end? Well, you know, look, the one thing about us is, as, as a race, we always pull through. And I'm absolutely sure that, you know, wherever the final outcome is, that we will make something of it. I'm sure we as an industry will adapt and i'm sure we'll look for every possible way to make a new charge code to um that will uh, you know bring a smile to our faces so we are adaptable as an industry i, I don't believe uh, the press reports i mean the, the the press have to make the you know have to make the uh the spin on it about doomsday and all the rest of it but no i mean forwarding will will continue i think forwarding will grow i would just like to I would just like to uh, see some greater movement from uh, the, you know, the present forwarders. Um, like, the, uh, uh, if you read Panel Pina's recent comments about what they're going to do re- in, in regarding to IT, it is completely incomprehensible of what we said in their annual report. Right. And I think I think the key forwarders have got to take a lead, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll come through this uh, much stronger. Us and. Uh, and the service enhancers stroke disruptors. I mean, we are we are much needed. We're much maligned, but we have a key role uh, in in the way that this country trades. Brown, that's
0: a yeah. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> fingers crossed. I mean, it will be quite funny because by this time next year, we'll we'll be talking about it and going. Oh, remember when everyone was going crazy and uh, everyone's gone mental about it? And it's actually quite understandable that, as you say, I think we will all pull through, and I think. Uh, 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 the media have put a massive spin on it. And it's just, uh, it's been interesting to find out how they're going to do it now, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. But, um, you know, obviously, something else I also want to touch on as well. You say, uh, uh, there's the CEO of another dis, uh, disruptor, was it Graham Parker of Containers. Mm. They said that freight forwarders will ultimately win over disruptors because they already have three of the, co- uh, three of the four key barriers to entry. I mean, do you accept that sort of thing, uh, what Graham's view is all about?
1: Well, you know, I I would accept, you know, his his, uh, four points that we have the clients, the global network, industry knowledge and the tech tools. But we've also got the one thing that everybody's scrambling for. We have the data and everybody else wants it. And we have to make sure when you read about blockchain and, you know, and, uh, you see the Merck's, the IBM Alliance, for example, there was an interesting podcast done with two chaps, very bright guys, I guess, from IBM, giving their perception of it, but they haven't obviously been schooled in what, in how to put it across to, uh, to the greater freight public, because they spoke <laughs> about the blockchain, what they wanted to achieve, the percentage of freight around the world they wanted on their system. And, uh, then they, they made the point that uh, Musk would not be a super user in their joint venture. Well, it never crossed my mind that Musk would be a super user. And I suppose then I started to worry and think, well, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's a worry in itself. And uh, particularly with Merck now, uh, with Damco going more into forwarding and going to more direct uh, selling, um, which we saw in the, in the uh, 80s with, with uh, P&O. Uh, they tried to. Uh, they came from a different direction to see the demise of forwarders. So, yeah. do I agree with what Graham's saying? It's, it's about the data, and with blockchain as an example, everyone talks about it how seamless it is. But why are the likes of Accenture in it? Why? Why are these large corporations want a part? No one's ever spoken about the fees and what it's going to cost. And I say the forwarders. You know, just don't sign up for something. There has to be an offering that comes up where the forwarders can probably get be part of it, um, receive some of the future upside because that's certainly what everyone is, is uh scrambling for. I'm not quite sure what that upside is, but we hold
0: all the data.
1: Let's not give let's not give it up. Let's try and find a halfway house till we find something that uh that everybody can really um, believe in because I don't believe it. It helps us having any of um, steamship lines forwarders leading the, the 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 race and trying to become the um, the, the the information source um, for blockchain. I mean, if, yeah. I, I find it actually laughable that some of the steamship lines that they are getting involved, they are the ones who have been unable to tell us where a container is in their system when they have. The trucking for their control. They have the the ports, stevedores, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They haven't made any of it available, and they make this massive leap from 50 years ago to suddenly want to be leading us um, because they see the financial benefit. I'm not sure what that benefit is, but I <laughs> hope forwarders don't uh, aren't in a rush to give that data control that we have, and that's why I say we have to look for our own new revenue streams, which include, yeah. in my view, the 4PL answer. 4PL. I think you,
0: you've obviously said about the 4PL before. Do you, th- that, you, uh, do you think that's the, the way forward? That's what really is the way the industry is sort of going to go now and that should well, be the, the best way to do it?
1: Well, I think I think there's one thing I would say on this podcast is how many of our clients and customers really understand freight forwarding, really understand logistics, which often is 5% of their of their cost base. How much they really understand, and where the drill downs um, to help boards understand where that expenditure goes. I don't think it exists, and I I think my ultimate goal is for a CFO to walk to a board meeting and have an A4 sheet of paper. And people don't really talk to you with words anymore. It's kind of all about infographics, but have a page of infographics that tells him his top trade routes, his top suppliers. Mm-hmm best performing, worst performing, on time, in full, whatever, whatever criteria and KPIs he wants, that he can go and express that board meeting and that can help all the other <clears throat> factors in the business, including, you know, I don't know, the purchasing or placing orders, maybe with suppliers who are not performing to the best on time in full, as an example. <clears throat> so I okay. think I think there is a there is a need for us to to change the model, use the data that we've got. And keep the the, um, the many people and the many organisations that want to get into our industry, keep them at bay, make them make their own justification for coming in, um, and play to our strengths. Okay,
0: fine. I, that completely makes sense. I completely agree with you. To be quite honest, that's quite. Like, it, as you say, it's just about it's it's about being more transparent, more than anything else, isn't it? It's about really kind of being more open towards the, your customers and giving them as much information as possible. And I think that's. Probably going to be the best way forward. I think that's the only way forward, to be quite honest with you, um,
1: to push that on. Well, <clears throat> we're in a different we're in a different world, you know. I mean, uh, when we we started with typewriters, bander machines, telex machines, you know, and uh, <laughs> and when you used to go and do a sales call, you come back to the office, you think about it, you type a letter, you send it, you follow up a week later. Well, it doesn't ha- doesn't happen like that anymore. Things are yeah. instant. People want instant information. <clears throat> People want to know where their goods are. <clears throat> It wasn't so long ago, you remember, when uh, we used to take a day off work to have a delivery, and then the delivery wouldn't turn up, and then we'd be, we'd be exasperated. We, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't put up with that anymore.
0: No, and, definitely
1: not. And uh, we need to be able to tell customers where their containers are, what time they're going to get to them. We don't have to have people coming in at 6 o'clock in the morning and start phoning the, the, the truckers to find out where the deliveries are. Every all our suppliers in forwarding need to up their IT game. That makes us look better. Yeah. Um, and I was with one company that I advised, and the ocean director was going to see their uh, the container trucking company. And it was, um, it was the time of year where the inevitable discussion would be about rates at the end of the year. And I said, please don't discuss rates. Go and just say to them, what are the improvements in IT? And how can it help us? And then get to... The rate reductions that you when he came back, he was in a position that he could self invoice these companies so he didn't have to wait for invoices, putting in accruals, involving accounts. He could take feeds directly from them of where the truck drivers were, direct phone numbers, and it made a massive difference to him with the number of people that he employed in that relevant department. In, in, okay. So, it, you know, it's constant innovation, and I believe that word. Innovation should be in every internal meeting. Either what have we done? What are the improvements? What could and what could we do? And what, what are our competitors doing? You know, how yeah. how can we keep changing our model? Change it up for obviously uh, that's it exactly. Change it to be
0: uh, be with more with the team sort of thing. As you mentioned before, there's a lot of. Um, we've changed an industry and we group companies really you can keep on top of it which is I completely understand where you're coming from there to be honest yeah. you mentioned obviously before Well, I want to talk to you about uh, the new new company you've got going on at the minute Steve SWG
1: uh-huh.
0: you've um, obviously you're helping forwarders like a leverage you mentioned about new digital products and all that sort of stuff um, what sort of products are you, you, you kind of pushing out there what what kind of form do they take and how is really are these kind of Digital stuff gonna help for those sort of thing. What what sort of things you can of uh, um, I, uh, I wouldn't say advertising, but can I talking about.
1: Well, I think when you run a business like like I did it, um, for thirty odd years, it can be a lonely place. You know, you together with the directors, you try and make the right decisions. You you know, you think you've got a vision, but it is amazing when you can actually talk to some of uh, the, these uh, owners. Operators now and they open up about what their frustrations are you can help them through it you know suddenly you realize that for all your 45 plus years you've got some experience that can bring some benefit so it's it's varying software offerings um it's challenging what people are doing it's looking for best in class within the business so it's uh, a whole array i mean i've been offered various uh Non-exec roles. I prefer to go in and kind of sit there and challenge the business, and uh, that's the best part. What? What? We, if uh, I've I've no problems if if the thing is working well, but when you get people who protect their positions and then then it holds a department a company back, that they they are the frustrations. They're the challenges I I enjoy. So it's um, yeah, it's it's several roles. In one and i I enjoy the speaking elements I enjoy um um going to talk to boards of directors um offering them advice and it seems so obvious to me but not not to others, but then I don't understand their industry, but you know that that's one of the benefits of uh, all these years in uh in forwarding you know and I, I come from a time where a lot of them, like Davis Turner and that had wolves on the on the river Thames and um we used to take stuff over over the side in, in, into barges, and here we are today in a much much faster world. And uh, many of these companies are much bigger, much stronger, and and it's good to see them continue to uh, progress. And if I can have a that, then I enjoy doing it. I enjoy helping wow. the Americans understand. You know, where I've worked for thirty odd years, um, I, I enjoy helping them look at the European market. And I guess it's now. UK and European market, so it's um, it remains an exciting time. It remains an exciting industry, and I, I hope that uh, those young younger folks that's setting out in in 40 have as much fun as I did. Nice,
0: yeah, I completely I completely agree. I mean, you mentioned about obviously the, the younger people coming into the industry. What sort of advice would you give to them, if straight out of like say like college or university, or maybe just kind of looking for an uh, an, uh, an opening? and then the forward industry, what sort of advice would you give
1: to them? Well, I think I'd start by, by saying to the forwarder, are you going to prepare um, a, a proper training program, or are you going to do what's, what traditionally happens, stick people in the department and they stay there because they do a good job? You know, we, we've got to roll out, and with the help of uh, Biffa doing so, you know, the qualifications, we have to become more more professional, but I, um, it is an exciting industry. It, it is changing, but it goes back to how we started this conversation. I think for those that are successful, those that, that gravitate to sales, those that travel the world, and it, it is such an amazing industry. It's such an amazing challenge. And uh, you know, I can remember in the early days when you went to visit the customer and then go to a phone box and ring the office. say, we got the chance of this, this. They would say, "Well, how are we going to do that?" Said so, absolutely no idea. That's your job. Work it out, and we would do it. <laughs> that's it learn by doing that's that's what Richard Branson says if someone gives you an opportunity obviously yes and learn how to do it later isn't it well you, you know it's uh, it's a lot more difficult nowadays with all the uh, compliance but there um, it is a very it is an exciting fast moving business and um, you know it uh, hopefully will uh, continue to uh, strive forward
0: I know yeah exactly fingers crossed fingers crossed sort yep. of thing but um. Steve, I mean, this is, uh, I've been there, uh, can I tune you off for a good, up to 40 minutes now sort of thing. I know you're very busy, so we'll wrap things up sort of thing. I mean, any kind of takeaways from this? Any other sort of like, can I points you want to get across, like final, Steve's final thoughts sort
1: of thing? Um, I think the, the the key takeaway for me is how fast the industry is changing. I think uh, innovation, as I said several times through this podcast, is the most critical Thing I'd be associated with a company that wants to innovate, um, they should not be in the, you know, in, the in the same place even next year. So, yeah. I think, um, I, I would hope forwarders would uh continue to develop fight the cause for the industry. I mean, it, it becomes uh, um, I'm not happy with this at all. This, this bit, I'm afraid. That's um, <laughs> sorry, we'll just cut this
0: out completely, Steve. That's not a problem.
1: Um let me just try and just uh um, okay. let, let me just go again okay go for it. i would hope there'll be some spokes people that will come out and uh, nationally internationally put the side for forwarders that the likes of flexport will become more within the industry they will have their own many strengths um, and and we will we will continue to uh, innovate and offer new solutions to um, particularly here here in britain where we will be uh you know, isolated to a degree trying to fight for yeah. through, through new <laughs> trade agreements so forwarders have a chance to shine so i uh, we, we, we've always done it i'm absolutely sure we will uh, continue to do so Brilliant. that's uh certainly fantastic
0: too that's great um i see going forward uh, this year are you going to be um. Obviously, any uh, uh, speaking events you're going to be obviously putting yourself out to this year? Multimodal sort of thing you'd be attending this year?
1: Well, I, I've got a I've got a uh, um, a few offers at this point. Um, I did multimodal uh, last year. I did one in uh, Canada, which was which was uh, uh, the Canadian Freight Forwarding Association. Yeah. <clears throat> I, you know, I I enjoy doing. I enjoy pr- provoking discussion. I I see no point sitting on a <laughs> panel and and just. Just agreeing, and um, yeah, ho- hopefully, uh, you know the result of this podcast, maybe I'll receive more.
0: Well, let's, fingers crossed. Well, let's hope so, Steve. That's great. Well, what we'll do, we'll obviously wrap this up now, Steve. It's been absolutely fantastic to have you on. I think you've come across absolutely fantastic and brought up some great, great insights into the industry and brought some great value to it as well. Um, as I say, what we'll do, we'll put all the details, obviously, in the description of, obviously, website and how to get in contact with you. And, um, yeah, hopefully going forward, we could probably do a follow-up after Brexit's all kicked off and see if uh, uh, if anything's changed sort of thing.
1: Yeah, they're terrific. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, hearing the response to this podcast. Thank you. No problem, Steve. Take care. Thanks for your time. All right. Bye.